white dove. That's the power of love. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Theology in the Dirt. Hey, and by the way, if you need more of that, I can break out in song at any point in time. My playlist is epic. And uh, we're glad you're listening to Theology in the Dirt, where we make it our aim to practice our theology in the public square of our homes, our city, and our world. And man, we are very glad that you joined us in Theology in the Dirt. Thanks for listening in. Thanks for giving us ratings. Thanks for talking to us even outside of this podcast. And it's awesome to hear um, how God is using our time together to uh, help you. And so that's fun. Keep sharing those stories, and uh, we're grateful for you guys listening and uh, Chris, off air a few minutes ago, you said about the power of love. It's apropos because we're going back to the future. Yeah, I mean, we're today we're going to be talking about breaking the power of the past. And so, you know, everybody knows that that song. You know, that's from the intro and the beginning of Back to the Future. So it just seems fitting. That's why we're rocking with it again this week. So absolutely, absolutely perfect. And so, and if you haven't seen Back to the Future. You repent and go watch that movie this weekend. It'd be an awesome time to do that because it's absolutely fantastic. So good. So good. And it's time to get to some news. So I just realized, I, I think uh, when it comes to news, I'm pretty much a bad news guy. Like, uh, I, when I think of news, I think uh, bad news. <laughs> I don't know why. I'm, I'm hoping, Chris, you're a good news guy, which I appreciate that. That brings some balance to the force because <laughs> I'm over here on the dark side. I'm like, I'm, I'm on the Twitters, and, and I, I, I don't see good news. Not that it's not there. It's always there. But for whatever reason, it's like the bad stuff that attracts my attention, so... I've got bad news. I don't have good news today. <laughs> this is, <laughs> okay. But I was just doing everything I could to avoid anything political because oh, I yeah. just, I mean, it's, it's hard. I would rather eat broccoli <laughs> and, you know, have to listen to some just terrible music than to see another political commercial. You just said broccoli. We were having this discussion about The Office a few minutes ago. And uh, when you said broccoli, <laughs> I have the image of Michael force feeding Kevin broccoli. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing oh, so that's you would rather stuff. eat broccoli than yeah so okay yeah. so go watch back to the future and the office yeah, this weekend absolutely You'll and be, you will be a happy person you will you'll laugh a lot so all right um this is political but i can't help it um i i'm gonna be careful what i say because i don't want a nasty hate email about a race issue but i i struggle i struggle with people voting for anybody Primarily because of their ethnicity, I just where a white person vote for a white person, black person vote for a black person, just because they are what they are. That, all that's wrong, right? It's just, I don't care. I don't care. It's just wrong. You don't vote for some, somebody whether just because they're Hispanic or just because they're black, because they're white or whatever. You should vote somebody because of the their character and what they stand for that matches your <clears throat> system of beliefs. But I'm shocked and appalled um, that Stacey Abrams in Georgia can get any vote. At all, she she was asked a question. This is all over Twitter. I mean, it turned into national news. Um, the good news is she's trailing Brian Kemp in the state of Georgia. If you listen to this and are voting for Stacey Abrams, I would like for you to tell me why. Please tell me why you would vote for her. I, it absolutely blows my mind 
uh, that that she would get a vote in the state of Georgia for all kinds of reasons. But here's the one that absolutely blows my mind. She was asked a question about inflation and people being able to afford basics. She turned that question into the reason women can't afford those things is because they're forced to carry a baby to term. It's really about the issue of choice and the abortion issue. And I'm going, how did you get from $3.10, a gallon gas basket of groceries, I'm talking basket, not a cart, a basket of groceries costing $100 to the problem is women having to have their children. And I nearly lost my mind when I saw that clip because A, it ignores the whole reality that it's costly to have sex. If you choose to have sex, the byproduct of sex we learn is you might have a child. And the whole idea that you, one can't control their sexuality, puts them in the category of animals. Right. We're human beings. We have this awesome, amazing gift of self-control. People don't have to have sex. You don't. And the idea that the solution for mamas in an economy of inflation is to go have an abortion, I was, I was, I was mad. I was dumbstruck that how dumb could a person be and ideologically how blind are you that that's your argument and and if she really believes that that's a problem but if she's just appealing to a base of people who's so pro-abortion that they would rather vote for that than vote for something else then then that's another problem in itself so i i heard that listened to that read that blew my mind made national news after it was local news and i and i just uh I hope anybody listening to this will have enough decency, even if economically you you lean Democrat more than you lean Republican or Libertarian. I hope on that issue alone, if you're a Christian, you can hear that and go, "That is so ghoulish." Like there, that's evil. Yeah, that's evil manifest. So I'm going to stop because um, I could really get down a deep dark path there. So Chris, yeah. take it away. <laughs> yeah. Well, first off, it's a hundred percent to appeal to that group because it's a hot button topic right now, and everyone's feel strongly one with the other so that's how i'll get more votes if i she probably does believe it somewhat but that's 100 percent the purpose it's let me turn every question that's not really going to get me votes to something that might get me more votes yeah and, that's right and when it comes to life and death that's to me that's scary i just i can't support that in any way there's she's got a lot of other issues where she shouldn't be running the state um but that one should in itself be enough yeah. So, but let me get to mine. I, I, speaking of things that just make my blood boil, I don't know if you saw this, but the, a video went viral this week from a daycare in Mississippi where childcare workers were wearing like scream masks, like from the movie Scream, and they were running around this daycare room terrorizing the living, you know what, out of like what had to have been two, three, four year olds. Yeah. I mean, they were young, young kids who were terrified to death. And, and it wasn't like, you know, like you go to Walmart and you put on a mask and you're like, oh, let me scare. And then you show yourself, you're like, you know, I'm just messing. Like, I get parents like to scare their kids. I'm scared of my daughter. Like, I'll jump out from behind. Like, she yeah. loves that. Yeah. But, like, this was on such another level that yeah. just, and, and, and to think that they at some point just had to cognitively decide, hey, this will be, because they were doing it for the intention of like trying to get them to behave and to do stuff like that, which is even worse. Even worse. And right. we're talking, you know, we talk a lot about trauma and the impacts of trauma. I'm like, well, you've just caused that. So I was very, I don't, not usually one that like celebrates people getting 
in trouble. But like, so five of those workers were number one. They were immediately fired once the director found out, which good on that director. Um, but yesterday they were also charged with three counts of felony child abuse. Wow. And and should be should be like a hundred percent. I got Brittany and I were talking about last night, and we're like, yeah. I would lose my s word, right? Uh, if yeah. like I, I'm, I consider myself a pretty chill person, right? But like I think you know because my daughter went to daycare, you know, for several years before she was old enough to go to school. Thankfully, went to a great one, and we never had issues. But I just these parents probably thought their kids were at a great daycare too, and I just I I can't imagine what I would do or say if this was my child and I had to go and have not only have this conversation, but so I'm, I'm a surprise that the director has a job still, not because they're at fault. Cause I, I don't know that they are. It sounds like it was just these workers. Somebody else got charged with failure to report. Mm. Um, but like that kind of, I mean, these kids are going to have now have trauma and and from that, yeah. what can only be an irresponsible act of cruelty. Yeah. And I'm like, and this doesn't, this is fairly common. This not, this, not the screen mask, but like yeah. you, you hear stories all the time of teachers, like bullying kids and, and, and hitting kids and screaming. I mean, I'm yeah. just like, yeah, what's going off what? in, in this, this person who's overseeing these little ones that says any behavior is corrected by creating terror, by creating fear. Like what, how did that get through? any kind of job screening. I, I, and I don't know how you scream for that, but that's clearly got to be one of the things we don't terrorize the kids. It's not funny. No, it's not funny. And, and what their, if whatever their intent was, it is never funny to make students, little ones afraid. Right. Like, th- yeah, like that's, there's, there's that's a healthy crazy. fear that you want your child to have of you as a parent, not, yeah. not a fear of you, but a, a like, okay, if I make a bad, decision there's going to be like a fear of a consequences or, yes. or re- repercussions yeah but that's completely different than intentionally instilling very deep dark fear and anxiety yeah because right. of yeah. a behavior or for any reason yeah well I, I think there is a difference between healthy fear and unhealthy fear which becomes terror yes right there those are those are not the same thing like you said my, my kids fear consequences from me in a healthy way of a, that's a healthy fear because that's respect. That's there's a there's an awe factor to dang I man if I do this then this is going to happen. Versus uh, I f- I'm afraid for my life. Like yeah. Inside, like you turn when it goes from oh geez I don't want my dad to um, take away my phone um, because I do X Y or Z to you go into fight flight freeze to try to survive because existentially you feel threatened. You, man, that, like, how do we get there to manage kids? Like that's insane. Right. At a place that you, somebody is paying for their child to be kept safe, yeah. to be probably educated, to be taken care of. That's right. And to know that you did the opposite of that. Yeah. Is, and so I'm grateful that they're getting like, I'm, I'm hoping that's a lesson for others. Yeah, that you know, you do that kind of stuff, you're going to go to jail, or you're going to face some serious. I mean, they're never going to work with kids ever again, never, and shouldn't. Right? Absolutely. I did see a clip of that, and I didn't follow the story, but I saw a video clip of that, and and was wondering what are they doing to these kids? Yeah. And that there's this one kid, you can see it on their face. Oh yeah, they were frozen. Yes, absolutely frozen in terror. Yeah, they were in not just in tears and screaming, but and then they're like, 
like, are you going to be good? Like we're screaming at them. Like, I'm like, well, what? I mean, they have no idea what to do now. Like they're right. fearing for their lives and don't understand that because at three, four, you don't, oh. shouldn't have to do that. Right. Yeah. That should not be something you have to be trained for to, to at this point, fight for yourself. Right. Feel free to reach out and punch whatever that is. Hit it. Defend yourself. Right. That you don't think that that at the age of three or four, kids have to be thinking that way. Right. Thus, the effects of. On a lighter note, those are funny when those videos of people in like Walmart trying to scare people with like masks or and then somebody punches them right in the face. (laughs) Yes, that's amazing. There's the Texas Bushman that I love watching the videos. If you hadn't seen those, the guy's got a costume. It looks like a bush, and he's squatted down in a planter, and people walk by, and he stands up and. That's awesome. That is pretty funny. That's a different animal. That's very different. That though. is that's funny. That is absolutely funny. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? It's time for the final countdown. The show starts in Thank you, voice. We're grateful for your introduction. BV, thank you. <laughs> That's big right, voice. BV, big voice. BV may need a name if um, he shows up. He's gracious to do it every week, and uh, but he's just big voice. And maybe if you have a name to suggest, we're open to names for BV. Yeah. But voice, big voice is pretty awesome. Kind of sounds like a Frank to me for some reason. It does sound Frank. Frank's pretty good. I like Frank. That's not bad. He's got a little British accent going on. Yeah. He's, he's a hoss. <laughs> uh, surely a radio voice only. Well, today we're we're talking about um, breaking the power of the past. We're continuing down the trail of emotionally healthy discipleship. What, did it, what is it to be a follower of Jesus in an emotionally healthy way? One of the things we've learned along the way is that our emotional and spiritual health are never separated from one another. Uh, we can't be spiritually mature and emotionally immature. Our spiritual health and our emotional health track together. They're intertwined. And, and part of growing spiritually... Um, growing emotionally is breaking the power of the past. Um, unfortunately, um, for all of us, this is a consequence of 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 sin and rebellion. And when God said in the garden to our parents, "The day you eat of it, you will die," um, I'm sure, possibly in Adam and Eve's mind, they weren't thinking about um, Cain and Abel and Seth um, and how. Um, their children would be affected because of the decision they made right there. Um, and, and and not just um, genetically, because that's a reality. Um, Exodus chapter 20, verse 5 and 6 reminds us that the consequences, the fallout of sin, carry on to the third and the fourth generation. Uh, there is enough uh, science now. DNA science, genetic science, to show that epigenetic modification is reality. In other words, me as a parent pass on the predominant habits that I practice to my kids, and because they then genetically at a at a epigenetic level begin to manifest my habits, which is why we we all say this: I'm so much like my dad, I'm so much like my mom, because you are. 
<laughs> and everything. It's not just how we look, but it's in how we act emotionally. So, so the bad decisions I make, I pass on to my kids. Yeah. Um, that's an epigenetic reality, but God told us that all the way back in, in Exodus chapter 20. So I'm sure Adam and Eve didn't think the day you eat of it, you'll die. Oh, that means the decision I make now to rebel against God. Cain is going to do that. Abel's going to do that. And then there's going to be a Seth. I'm going to, I'm going to have a Seth that's going to do that. And oh, by the way, they're going to have kids that do that. And then their kids are going to have kids that do that. And so this is a consequence of sin. So genetically, as people who inherited the curse of sin, we pass it on. But but then that's genetic. But then it's the external environmental things that happen. Um, sin has affected the world in such a manner that all manner of external things happen that can cause us to be broken. And as a result of that, we carry those with us into the future. And the question for us is, am I a slave to that? Or is there a way to be free from that? And that's kind of the question we want to ask and, and, and dive into a little bit today, breaking free from the power of the past. Yeah, there's there's a, so much to unpack about this topic, uh, both from the book and just from general standpoint. You know, our, our past doesn't have to define this, but it often ends up doing that because uh, we allow it to, and we're unable to escape the grip our past has on us. And I say right. us, I mean just people in general. Right. Um, you know, most of our listeners probably know this, but, you know, I spent over a decade working in child welfare and still involved in in several ways in that. And um, when I used to work for the Department of Family Children's Services doing investigations, like I can't tell you how often it was that you go and look through their history and, you know, this this parent that we're going in having to investigate their parents had defects history and then their grandparents have many of them still live together. And, you know, and it's important we say you're the generation, like you don't choose your family, right? So like there's some things you don't choose in life. Um, someone's, you're not guilty because of the sins of your prior, prior families, but it's also not an excuse to continue to right. do that. And it's hard because it's a hard balance there because oftentimes um, that's all that they've known. Like I think, okay, I, grew up in a, a loving household, right? Like a very, both parents, um, still together, very supportive, you know, told me they loved me often was showed up to baseball, you know, all those things. Um, and so, you know, I didn't have to deal with some of that, but, but, and, and it's not always the case. Like sometimes those things that are within us, you know, people go and turn the other way, right? They go the opposite way. And, and thankfully there are some people that grew up in those in very, difficult households and abusive homes and they break that cycle. Like they, they're able to use those experiences to better themselves and their future generations by breaking that gap. And, and I wish that was more common. Um, Cause there's, you know, we just, we don't always control those things, we can, but we can control how we respond to them. Even if no one's ever modeled that, like someone, you know, my dad modeled for me how to, you know, be a good dad, how to be a good husband not saying he was perfect by any means and not, you know, learned those things, but you also put being around them and being in the church, being around other good role models. A lot of these people don't have that. The only role models they have are the only one people that have to teach them things are teaching them bad things. And so it's important to let them understand you don't have to be defined by that, but you can be, and it probably will be unless you actively recognize there's an issue and there's a pattern and that you become the change agent in your own family for generations. Yeah, that's right. That, and, and, um, I would say 
it's probably a great majority of the percentage of people who listen to this um, have enough uh, familial um, epigenetic challenges that if you begin to unpack your family history, you will find reasons for certain behaviors, mm-hmm. um, whether good or bad. Right. Um, and and enough environmental, and when I say environmental, I don't mean trees and animals, but I mean our social environment hurts that somehow have um, affected the current. And some of them minimally, some of them very maximally. And 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 recognizing that those things are roots, um, poison roots that have affected their present. And so we recognize that not everybody's listening to this today is going to have that kind of past. Um, right. And so, um, but what I would say to you is if don't turn this off uh, because you likely live with someone, have a friend or somebody in your family whose existence is defined presently by these things and you don't know it because maybe right. they cover it up really well. Um, or maybe you recognize little things that go on, things they do, things they say that don't quite make sense, but you love them. And so you just kind of roll along, not realizing that under the surface, what looks like a calm is really a raging sea of things that just feel and are off kilter. Yeah. And so we want you to recognize that um, there's undercurrent. And those who have that undercurrent, we want you to know that there is the ability to break free from that. It right. does not have to define you. Um, and in fact, you can have absolute freedom from that. A, a God promises that in the scriptures that he can make us new creatures in Christ. Um, and there's a supernatural component to that, but there's also, um, a wise process that the wise creator Jesus wove into creation. And I think you can find it in the pages of the Bible also, uh, to help us do the things necessary to break the cycle of those hidden things. And so that's some of what we want to talk a little bit about today. Yeah, 100%. And I think also to go along with that, it's not, you know, when we talk about the past, we're not talking just about your family's uh, upbringing. Like, we want you to understand, have it, acknowledge your past and that generational past. Yeah. But it, it could also be two years ago, yeah, or it could right. be last yeah. summer or, or last few years. It could be a, a sinful pattern in your life that you still are dealing with guilt from or still dealing with the effects of that. And, um, so that's why it's yeah it's not just about we're not just talking about people who come from like an abusive home right certainly that's part of it but you know whatever your upbringing looked like whatever your past at any point in time looks like yeah um, there are things to unpack there yeah um, an example of that would be I can and I can just friends and people that we are friends with and people whose lives have been upended by other terrible horrible no good very bad things. Environmental can be someone forcing you culturally uh, uh, out of sin into decisions and places and locations you really didn't want to be. Mm-hmm. And and the damage that does in your soul because it comes under the guise of the faith, the local church. Someone, someone um, um, absolutely wrecking your soul because of what they maybe make fun of you over that you won't acclimate to. Maybe they say, I'm free in Christ to do this, and your conscience doesn't want you to do that. And they, and they poke at you for being a legalist or, or, and, and not realizing they're wounding your soul by wounding yeah. your conscience while you're just simply trying to obey something. Like it, it can be that simple, but that something that simple can also do an extensive amount of damage mm-hmm. to another human being. And so you're right. It doesn't have to come from an abusive background, an abusive home. It can come from 
environmental things that go on around us sociologically that hurt us. Example, uh, for instance, I remember several times uh, early on, I'm not going to, this is for my therapist, (laughs) so I'm not going to cast my pearls down on the ground for everybody to stomp on, but um, I remember several times uh, having to adapt either um, to fit in or to survive, both were, were, were realities for me, either to, to fit in and, and still to this day, like, it's like a movie. It's like it's on pause, like press pause, and I can see those scenes, boom, clear as day. They're never going to go away. They're there. It's how I manage them, but either to fit in or to survive. And what I found was, at least in my soul, um, in order to fit in or survive, I had to act or become someone I was not. Because either socially or um, practically for survival, what I was was not acceptable. And so in order to be acceptable for survival and or to fit in, I had to put to sleep that part that I perceived wasn't acceptable. And what began to happen is I live in a false identity. I live in, in an identity created by someone who wanted to take or someone who wanted me to be not what I was or who I was. Because if I chose to stay true to myself, I would not fit or I possibly could lose life or physical health. Mm. And so what begins to happen is you begin to act in a manner that's not really you. And and so, you know, psychologists and, and therapists call that a false self. And and for me, here, here's the first way I had to learn to break the power of the past is I had to get okay with who I am, which means I had to discover, who, I had to rediscover who I am. Now, some people out there, this is probably ringing a bell. You're like, oh my gosh, that's it. And some of y'all, this sounds so strange. Like, I am myself. Good for you. Yeah. But for a lot of people, they aren't themselves because themselves had to get put to sleep to survive socially or practically. Mm. Um, and, and so as a result... Um, they've lived life. It's not a lie, but not really themselves. And so what ends up happening is anything that threatens to unveil who you really are. And this is not a bad thing, like, you know, unveiling the fact that you're a launderer or a murderer or something like that. No, we're just talking about you're just who you are. Yeah. Um, that the Lord Jesus, the wise creator Jesus made you to be because it wasn't acceptable in whatever setting. You've created this false self. Anything that threatens to unveil that feels existential. It's like a threat to your existence. And what do you do? You find yourself fighting to keep a false identity false. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Now, I know that sounds strange, but that's reality for a lot of people. And again, from the most minute, easy, simple thing, maybe somebody's trying to force somebody to drink alcohol. They don't want to drink alcohol and don't have a desire for it. But in order to fit in, they drink alcohol. And what next thing next thing you know, they find themselves addicted to alcohol. They ain't even like alcohol. And so they're putting up this persona of a drinker. They don't want to be a drinker, but in order to fit in, they gotta drink. And so anytime somebody questions that, they rise up and defend a false self because they don't want to not fit in. Right. Rather than going, actually, I don't like the crap. I don't want it. I don't need to be your friend. Right? Because that's too unsafe. And so what I found is what I found is the first thing I had to do is get good with being who I am and 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 come to the reality that um because what happens is we don't love ourselves enough 
And I don't mean like in an idolatrous way. I mean love us the way God loves us. I should love myself the same way God loves me because God loves me. God actually loves me. He loves you. And he loves you just the way he created you. And he created you just the way he wanted you. And he didn't make any mistakes in that. Yeah. And so any threat to that is coming from the dark kingdom, not God. And so what we have to do is get back to that place where we recognize that the way the wise creator Jesus knitted me together is good. Mm-hmm. And I need to love that just like he does and be okay with that. And and so the first thing for me to break the power of the past is love yourself the way God loves you and accept yourself the way God accepts you because he does. Psalm 139 is rich. From conception to the end of your life, God has woven those days together, and it is okay to receive them as a good gift from God, and he loves you just the way he made you. If you're quirky personality, he made you quirky, mm-hmm. and it's okay to be quirky, and who are we to even call it quirky? You know what I mean? Yeah. See, even the whole idea of calling it quirky is a sociological lie that somehow it's out of bounds. No, not at all. Um, I'm weird. God made me to be weird, and it's okay to be weird. And he loves me being weird. Yeah, I, man, I love that you brought up the identity piece here. I, I didn't even have that in my notes, but as you're talking, it's just it's becoming very real. Like, you know, when – so someone – let's just use an example here. When someone – if you've ever told, like, a lie, right, and, and and you kind of continue to tell that lie over and over, what happens is that lie eventually you believe that, and that becomes your new truth and your new reality, and I think this happens a lot with identity and um and who we how we see ourselves is uh, you mentioned like the alcohol thing like for example so if if you know oftentimes things around us push us into an identity that's not our real identity but over time when we, especially when we start dealing with sin and we start dealing with guilt and shame what happens and there's a lot of neurological aspects I won't dive into that affect this but what we tend to do, and, and and there's a lot of spiritual warfare too, right? Because Satan's like, oh, i got to hold now. I'm going to make this person believe this is who they are. And what happens is people just, they get to this place where they've been fighting it, fighting it so long that the fight wears them out to the point where they begin to believe this is just who I am. Hmm. And, and I just say to that, you know, denounce that. Don't stop fighting that because that is not who you are. If you're If you're stuck in a, place of sin or guilt or shame or hope that is not who you were created to be right. and that is not your destiny so to speak in christ that's not your purpose that's not who he that's not the future he wants for you yeah and and that's difficult to break out of but it's imperative that we break out of that and get to that place of you know that's not my identity that's not who i am who yeah. i am and when we're when we're believers especially because when we're believers we are our new identity is son and daughter of the right. most high king and that's and he knows every awful part of me but still looks on me and says no i i sent my son to pay for that yeah. I, don't, I don't i don't count you as an enemy of me anymore i count you as my son that's right and that there's such freedom in that and yeah. um i love that yeah i think that's a great first point there is yeah we have to love ourselves and that's gets thrown around a lot in the in the culture yeah. but but what we're talking about here is a, a love that um, transcends your past, transcends your failures, your shortcomings. Uh, you know, Romans tells us we've all sinned and fall short. Um, and we know that the wages of that sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus. And if we start to see ourselves in the way that he sees us, 
it's it's life changing for yourself, but it's to me it's life changing for your family, for your spouse. Uh, if you love yourself better, you're going to love your spouse more. Yep. You're going to love your kids more. Yep. I will go so far as to argue self love leads to scriptural obedience because self love wants the best for themselves and flourishing according to God's standard, which is the ultimate self flourishing. Self hatred leads to disobedience to God's standard because we're so far out of bounds that we love a false self that we're willing to try to kill it with all manner of things. Um, that's deep water, but I'm convinced self-love leads to Sabbath. It leads to obedience to God's law because it brings life. <laughs> and and that doesn't put us above God. That puts us right where God wants us to be. So any idea that loving myself is idolatrous, you go read your Bible a little closer. Self-right, biblical self-love is an embracing of flourishing and the flourishing God calls us to is that kind of self-love, to love ourselves the way God loves us. And if we love ourselves the way God loves us, we'll obey his commands. And we obey his commands, we flourish. And we flourish, we live. When we live, we live to God. And so, so that's the kind of love we're talking about. Yeah. you know. And that's what it means to be in Christ. It's easy to throw away in Christ. I'm in Christ. Well, what does in Christ mean? What well, means you, you love you the way God loves you. It means you accept yourself the way God accepts you. You see yourself through the lens God sees you through. And you obey his commands the way he calls you to. And as the Bible says, his commands are not burdensome mm-hmm. because we have a heart that wants to do it. And and that's a little tiny glimpse of what it is to, to be in Christ. Last thing I'll say, and then I want you to, to unpack some stuff, is um, for me the key to breaking the power of the past is to differentiate. What that means is be able to grow in faithfulness to who you really are without being controlled by the approval or even disapproval of other people. And so um, grow in your ability to be faithful to who God made you to be. Um, separated from the fake you, which is easy to put on because we want people's approval. Um, it's easy if people oppose to acquiesce because we want their approval. Um, that's being untrue. Now, if you're in sin, and people oppose you, then you know that's called repentance. Right. But if we're doing right, and people oppose doing right, don't give in to the disapproval. That's not being true to you. That's not being true to God. Um, and likewise, don't give in to the approval, mm-hmm. uh, because that's living for the wrong motive. Right. The goal is to live to the praise and honor and glory of God and who He made you to be in faithfulness to His Word, whether people approve or disapprove. Because if they approve and you love the approval, then you're working for the the praise the, the praise of, of mankind. If they disapprove and you acquiesce, you're living for the praise of man. But if you live for the praise and glory of God, the approval and the disapproval both don't affect you. Yeah. Because we live to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. So that's differentiation. If you do those two things, and I'm not saying they're easy, I would say they're maybe your two greatest life uh, works. So learn to love yourself the way God loves you and to let that be your real self. Let that be who you present as and then learn to differentiate. That live in that regardless of disapproval or approval from man uh, with the same level of joy, right? <laughs> Not right. letting one or the other make you higher or lower because you live for the praise and glory of God. And if God says, well done, it doesn't matter what anybody else says. Um, 
And I sit here this morning going, I suck at both of those, but I am striving toward them. Yeah. I know what they are now. I can identify them. And so I'm still, I'm still chopping, still trying to chop uh, that chain to the past, but I know it's there and I'm chopping on it. So that's my two things. Yeah. And that pursuit of, of being that and, and achieving that it's, it's our, our pursuit of Christ likeness is what he's after more so than our achieving perfection. Yeah. Because we're not going to do that here. Yeah, but, right. but if it's, it's not allowing those times where we fail to get us off the track Yeah, and to turn away from him. It's that, how do we, that pursuit of him that is worship. Yeah. That is right. That, is, that Romans 12, um, you know, living a, a being a living sacrifice and in, in your spiritual act of worship. Yeah. Um, I've got kind of one more major kind of big point here before we, and I've got some applications for us as a church. Um, I wanted to make this very clear because I think oftentimes, you know, here just, just forget, you know, just forget the past, you know, even in, and when we talk about letting go of the past or breaking free of the past, I want to make clear, we're not telling people forget your past. That's right. Uh, number one, that's pretty much impossible. Um, but number two, in order to heal from your past, you have to be able to go to your past. Mm. And um, we don't, it's not as simple as just forgiving and forgetting. We can't simply just move on from trauma and hurt and painful past. We can't just move on from a, a false identity that we've manifested over to, over probably months or years um, of a pursuit of something that was not true or not our true selves. And oh, by the way, I want when people throw around Paul's words, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to, to what lies ahead. To apply it to what you just said is a misuse of Paul's yeah. words. Don't do that. That's not what he meant. That's taking words and defining them the way you want them to be defined, not according to Paul's intent. So just FYI. Yeah. And that's called literary deconstruction. If you do that, there's a worldview behind <laughs> Don't do that. So I'll just say amen to what you just said. Yeah, same thing with, with when Jesus is talking about, you know, not looking behind, putting your hand to the plow and moving forward. It, there, that's a process, but that's not, he's not saying don't ever think about the past or don't, yeah. you know, that's. He's talking about valuing your <laughs> life outside of Christ more than being a Christian. Yeah. <laughs> I would rather, yeah, he's talking about looking back to the life of, without Jesus. If you value that, you're not in the kingdom. It means you're saved or not saved. Nothing to do with forgetting the trauma of the past. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, we've got, it's important we don't, Simply try to convince people to forget their past, but rather help teach and guide them how to use their past as a way to live for Christ and impact others along the way. To be able to use those experiences, both good and bad, to help others walk through their own problems. You know, Schizero, one of his um, things he outlines is um, that we are to recognize that we have been birthed into a new family, the family of Jesus. And, and you know, and there's all scriptures on a new, new creation. You know, Ezekiel thirty six twenty six. I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Second uh, Corinthians five. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Uh, Galatians two twenty. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. And that I really think that's the focus here. It's not forgetting the past. It's being able to acknowledge and recognize the past that we have been redeemed from the, 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 the pit that he has brought us out of the death that he has resurrected us from. Mm. Um, all those things are, are crucial for us 
to be able to break free from the past, you know, and it's kind of like when you go to a church and they only talk about like, you know, I love Christ and God is love and, 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 but they fail to talk about sin. And I've seen this more and more because when we talk about sin and we talk about death, like that's not warm and fuzzy. And right. many churches are going away from that. But I'm like, man, Christ's sacrifice on the cross means nothing if you don't understand what he saved you from. Right. And you don't understand that he has made you new. He's yeah. made you like him. Yeah. And um, and that's important for us. And that's that's got to be, if you have to write that on your mirror and read it every day, if you've got to put Galatians 2.20 somewhere in your car, like you have been made mm. new. Yeah. And we've got to live in that. We've got to help others recognize that. And, and it's not as simple as like, hey, man, you're in sin. Let's get out of that. Right. Yeah, be be like Christ. Be a new creation. That's not what I'm talking about. It's not a simple process. Right. But um, but just being there to remind people, you know, that is not who you are. That's not who you are in Christ. That's not who He is in you. Yeah. And you can be free from that. Yeah, that's a good word. Living living out of a uh, your identity, um, is is the first place to um conquering sin, because sin is not what we are. Sin is an it's a foreign invasion. It's an alien invasion to creation. We were made to be holy, and holy is where flourishing is at. So anything that breaks the standard of God's created order is not for our good. It's not what we were made for, and it will lead to our death and destruction. The wages of sin is death. And so, yeah, the call to live in our identity as creatures made to flourish under the gaze of a holy God is not restrictive. No. It's freedom. Yeah, it's freedom. I mean, it's like, uh, man, I can't help but think in terms of Narnia and Middle Earth. But in the last battle, um, the the only way into Aslan's country was through that god awful shack and that door. It's the only way, and it was so restrictive and so hard and so difficult from the outside looking in. But when they passed through that door wide open terrain yeah. further up and further in and the more they ran they didn't get tired and they couldn't find the end of it and the refrain was further up and further in and the perception of holiness and that identity is this restrictive hard thing when in fact the cross the restrictive hard thing is the door to unlimited joy mm-hmm. Man, that's so good, and that's such a good reminder. It, you know, and, and, and not only do you have to, like, forgive yourself, you may have to forgive others. You may have to yeah. forgive your, your family, forgive your parents and your grandparents yep. for things that they have done. Yep. And that's hard. So, like I said, the, the path we're talking about here is not an easy path. It's not an easy out of difficult times, and it's right. not a promise that you're never going to go back into that hurt and pain. In fact, you're going to. Yeah. Uh, but when you do remember what's on the other side of that door. Yeah. You now have the tools to process that and walk out. Yeah. It doesn't have to rule you. You can rule it. And it's not meaningless. That's the right. The difficulty you're going through. What what they meant for evil, God meant it for good. Genesis 50, 20. You hold on to that. But yeah. this is how you hold on to it. What we're talking about is how you grasp Genesis 50, 20. And it doesn't just become a verse that you can repeat that has no effect. What we're talking about is the how. This is how you take hold of Genesis fifty twenty, and put some hands and feet to it. So, how do we do this better as a church? Is kind of we're kind of headed here is as as leaders, as pastors, as just 
anyone in the church. How do we do this better? Uh, I've got five quick things. Number one, acknowledge that there are people in and around us with a rough past and that they may not ever have truly dealt with it. Like acknowledging that this is a real issue with the people in your church. Yeah. Um, don't feel like that's as common as it should be. We just, we like to think right. everyone looks good. You know, I looked at their Instagram post and they all seem happy. Right. Well, this is what we put on. This is how we come to worship. We come to worship fake, our false selves. Like we put on the guys that I just didn't argue with my wife. And I didn't have to beat my kid to get them in the car to be on time. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and to be honest, like we come wanting to look like we've got our stuff together. <laughs> and it's a default curse. Right. So, yeah, you're yeah. right. Absolutely. Yeah. It's. It is. Um, number two, create safe spaces and build trust by allowing people to share and process things. And so after you acknowledge that there's those issues, make sure we're encouraging people, hey, if you're dealing with stuff and you need help, we're here. Yeah. It, it, not to because you need to be a therapist. There, 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 that, that needs to happen outside of that. There are professionals that need to help with that. But just providing a space where people can come with that baggage and that they can – deal with that and you know what you need to weep in church weep in church you need to go grab an elder and say look i'm this is i'm struggling i can't even sing these words right now because of this if you your your church needs to have that space be safe and then foster that environment where people feel like they can come to to, what and it doesn't have to be an elder or pastor anybody yes you're a safe person that i can tell this to and not get a trite answer back just trust the lord well, right. yeah, but how? Yeah, have you prayed about it? Yeah, have you prayed about it? It's like, uh, the by the way, don't give those answers if somebody spills their heart to you. Just yeah. trust the Lord. Well, how? There, yes, it's true, but there's an application to it. And if you don't know how to do that, we can help you. Yeah, help you. But this is what this podcast is for. We're giving you some tools to the how. This is how. Um, listen, acknowledge, right? So yeah, right. safe space. Yep. Uh, number three, be attentive and compassionate towards those who have experienced trauma and or difficult pasts. I know we said it's not just about those who have difficult pasts, but there are many who have, and we've got to show that compassion. We've got to be attentive towards it. When we're doing life together with people, we start to recognize that. We start yeah. to recognize that something's not right. Yeah, that's you know, right. Jolly struggling. Let me go over there and just – it's not to go interrogate for the sake of curiosity. I think that's – we make that mistake. Sometimes it's, we start asking people 20 questions and, and they're not going to, you know, we ask them how they're doing. I'm fine. And you know, it, it's not that either. It's yeah. kind of that finding that middle ground say, Hey, I may, and maybe I'm reading this wrong, but are you, you know, it feels like you might be dealing with something, you know, can I, is there anything I can do for you? Yeah. Like, do you need something? Do you, like, I just wanted you to know if there is, and you just need someone's ear, I'll be here. No yeah. judgment, no interrogation. I'll be happy to just listen or I'll be happy to just come yeah. Be with you. That's right. Yeah. That's uh, good. Sometimes that's more compassionate than coming and saying, Yeah. Hey, it's like when somebody walks up and bed, you look tired. Like that's like nobody wants, yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thanks. I am. Thank you for pointing that out. But so it's not like coming up and saying, Man, you look like life really sucks right now. <laughs> right. Yeah. If you prayed about it. <laughs> so that's not a compassion or just, attentiveness. Just have faith. Yes. Yeah. If, if yeah, you you just need to believe the gospel a little bit more believe in jesus and uh no that's that's a false gospel yeah, yeah that's right uh, number four listen more and talk less uh encourage them without trying to fix them i know i i mess that up in my marriage a lot sometimes i'm just like she doesn't need me to fix it it's not about the nail we talked about that one <laughs> like 
Maybe if I just take that nail out of your head and put a band-aid on it, probably it would feel better. That's not about that. Sometimes it's not about the nail. We just People need to process. People need to share. And they're not going to do that with you if they feel like you're just trying to fix them. That's right. Which, by the way, I'm convinced we're wired. Talk therapy is one of the most effective therapies is just getting humans to talk. And uh, God wired creation to work that way, to communicate and communication. We can process what's going on in our soul. And it's crazy how therapeutically healing that is for all manner of things. And so the so our hard hat as husbands, we Jennifer calls it the hard hat. I just want to fix it because I want, I don't want you to talk for twenty minutes. I'm tired. I need you to talk for a minute and a half. I'll give you a minute and a half solution, then we can shut up and sit down and watch Cobra Kai. That, that's what I want. Right. That's not going to heal anything, you know. And so um, and so letting people talk is absolutely huge, which requires us to love them enough to let them talk. Right. And I, that that's hard. It is hard. It's hard. It's hard, but it's important, yeah. and, and and we have to be present yeah. with them. Not, not not just proximity, not just physically in the room with them, but be intentionally present with them. Yeah. Which, by the way, side note: this is this is why we ask and try to answer a question: What if the whole church was the missionary? It's impossible for one, two, three, or four people to do this for everybody. Right. Every Christian has to be able to do this for each other because we're all priests of God. And so the priesthood of the believer has application. That is, every Christian should be able to act like this for each other. Mm-hmm. And we can do that. You've unleashed a missionary force for healing, social and emotional well-being. That would be absolutely revolutionary for the local church. 100%. Yeah. I've got one more, but it kind of bleeds into my final thoughts. So I want to make sure if you had anything else you wanted to share on that. I'll do it, man. Okay. So my last one is... Leaders need to model and teach proper coping skills and provide a support system as well as point people to the right resources. And so my kind of final thoughts on all this is this starts with me. It starts with you. It starts with us. It starts yep. with leadership. Uh, digging up the past and dealing with it head on is usually a dark, dirty, uncomfortable, isolating place and experience. But we can't ignore it or just hope it goes away. And we can't expect to help lead others through their history if we haven't gone through our own. Yeah, you know, we, our TBI process. We we hear this a lot. It's hard to understand the true joy of freedom if we don't understand captivity or imprisonment. You know, yep. like a, like we can't understand what a someone who spent twenty years in prison feels like when they get released. Like, I feel free because I'm in America and I have freedom. And I'm using air quotes, right? But like, if I don't understand what captivity is like and haven't been able to go to that myself, I can't truly under, understand that joy of freedom, right? And and for many people, they are still held captive. Yeah. And we want to help get them to freedom. But if we are still held captive ourselves and haven't experienced that, it's going to be hard to walk them through that. Um, resurrection isn't as incredible of a miracle without acknowledging the death. Uh, and if we truly want to live out Galatians 2.20, Philippians 1.6, we have to deal with the past appropriately, heal from it, and rejoice in the Lord's redemptive work in our lives and his ever atoning and sanctifying us into men and women of the most high. And, uh, you know, that, that's where we can break free from the power of the past and step into this glorious future the Lord has before us. Mm, that's good, man. I, um, I, one of the things I've been working on getting approval for, my wife and I are talking about this. We just completed here at Restoration Room. And by the way, um, what we're talking about is the practicing of our theology in the public square of our homes, our city, and our world. It's called theology in the dirt. A, you need a theology, but but... It has to get down in the dirt. It cannot stay uh, in the realm of theory and debate. Um, and theology is not hard. 
theology is a study of God, who he is, how he defines himself and what his and what his word is. Like, has he revealed himself? Does he talk? Does he communicate? If he communicates, how does he communicate? And if he communicates, what does he say about himself? Well, that Christian theology is there's a God. He's one God, not three, but he's three distinct persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And this God's the creator of everything. And he's revealed himself by speaking and it being recorded in what we call the Bible. And we believe the Bible is God's word. It doesn't have any mistakes or errors in it, and it's totally powerful and capable of revealing who God is, who we are, and what he wants from us. Very simple, basic thing. But beyond that, we got to start practicing that, meaning we can't just talk about, oh, we're image bearers. What does it mean to be an image bearer? Can that be broken? If it can be affected in some manner, well, what do I do to fix it? And so what we're talking about is taking our theology of who we are and doing something with it. And 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 so we've been we've been studying through, we've been taking through, we did it here at Restoration on making sense of your worth. And it deals with these issues. Yeah. It helps us to dig deep, scrub, discover, and walk in healing. And so I've been working on getting approval because you know, I can't just act unilaterally. I, I'm mm-hmm. an elder, I'm not the elder, and so I have to submit plans and get told no. Or yes, and so we're working toward, and I think I think we're in a place that uh, we're going to be able to do that. Hopefully, uh, over the next year, is doing making sense of your worth and offering it to to men, to women, and then helping them to take that into their parenting, uh, parenting for positive self worth, uh, because this issue of taking our theology and practicing it is so vital for our emotional and spiritual well being um, that we can't know this. And we're doing a podcast, awesome, but there is so much more, and I'm convinced every single member needs it, no matter how healthy they are or unhealthy they are. Even the most healthy among us have still been affected by sin, and there are things to scrub out, to walk in emotional healing with, and to learn so that you can help that person sitting next to you who might not be where you are. And so if we can't do this for each other, we're going to continue to limp along emotionally. I'm convinced one of the reasons the world's gone mad, and it has people, I mean, it's mad, it's nuts right now, is people are beginning to crack emotionally. Yeah. The speed of life, the speed of technology, the speed of information, um, sin, brokenness, everything. And it's not like this is new in creation. There's nothing new under the sun. Creation and humanity have rolled in cycles since the garden. We're just back at another place where things are cracking up. And and so we can, as Christians, take our theology and do something with it, or we can con- continue to talk about our eschatology or our Christology or all of our ologies and never affect anybody with it. What I'm saying is we need to know their ologies and their application. And this one, um, it's vital for us to get this right. Right. If, if, if the Christian life was meant to be lived in isolation, then he would have just said, love the Lord your God, and then left it at that. But he went on to very clearly to say, and love your neighbor as yourself. But I think part of that is we, we are to run after Christ, and then we are to try to bring along those around us with us we can't do that with everybody yeah we're not called to bring that do that with everybody but but when we're when we're doing that and in that pursuit that's why we do life groups together that's why we it's important to show up at church when you can not everybody can but when you can be there in person yeah because this is a it's a group effort that's right and and outside of even those groups it's the relationships it's having connections like we uh, we go to lunch together we yeah. we gather at other times you just gave me a picture that absolutely cracks me up of I the haze were at the house and one Sunday afternoon and I fell asleep in my chair because I'm comfortable I can fall asleep around the haze and 
sweet little Addison, Chris and Brittany's sweet girl, is staring at me. She's looking at me smiling because I'm <laughs> Papa Uncle Mitch is laying there asleep on his chair and and because you're together. Yeah. And you can laugh and fall asleep and around each other and laugh at each other and because life is rubbed up on each other and and we're learning to to live life together and so it's it's not just sitting around the Bible study together but it's being able to fall asleep around each other and laugh yeah and do life that's emotionally healthy mm-hmm. um, do it over cheese dip and chips and queso and all that good stuff and so um, that's it man Chris do you have any final thoughts no that's it man just encourage you out there if you're dealing with um, your past and you're dealing with that. Don't do it alone, but no, you're not defined by it. That's good. Guys, we, again, we thank you for listening to Theology and Dirt. It's an absolute pleasure to come in here and chop this stuff up with each other and with you, and we're glad you're listening. We want to encourage you to send us an email at theologyanddirt at gmail.com if you have uh, any topics, anything you'd like for us to dig into in the future. Also ask you to leave us five-star rating and comment on the podcast. We're available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor. Uh, we're now on Amazon. And uh, that's stinking amazing. And so share the podcast if you find it useful. Use it for God's glory and your joy. And uh, you guys have a fantastic rest of your day. Talk to you next time. Out. Out.